Hello and welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Football Pod with Nick and Cody. Coming at you with our Week 7 review here on a Monday night uh, just after the uh, Bears and Pats finished up their game. Um, Cody, I had a pretty tough week on my end to be honest. Uh, not a ton of wins. I think I went 1-3 in my leagues this week. The best bets are my silver lining, but... Uh, managed to avoid some of the big injuries, luckily, but uh, I did not have a good week on my end. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as you are this week. I uh, I ended up going two and three, and um, two of my losses, I mean, I literally needed another catch and like two or three yards from Ramondre Stevenson uh, and David Montgomery. So, I mean, it's just so close on, for both those guys. Um but yeah, kind of the same thing. I went three and zero on the best bets, so that's kind of my silver lining for this week. And I was in every single one of my games, just happened to happened to lose two of them by a combined like two point eight points. So very unfortunate there. But uh, I think the process is working. Just got to start stacking a little bit more wins. We're 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 on the fence on some playoff. Uh, playoff hopes on a couple leagues and that's never a good spot to be yeah week seven is definitely a pivot point a lot of times for what you think your team is going to be but uh, i think every three and four and better you got to ride it out a little bit too much season left to uh to give up just yet but um cody uh we're starting pretty late here so i think we're going to go ahead and just jump into all of this uh reaction here uh, i want to mention something off the top just in case uh, you don't hear um, uh, the rest of this episode or don't make it to the uh, Jacksonville and uh, New York Jets reaction, but uh, James Robinson was traded to the Jets. So if you have any uh, waiver you know, situations where uh, Michael Carter's on your wire uh, or um, you, know, you were thinking about dropping James Robinson, just uh, consider that because it could definitely change your opinion on uh, a few guys. So... Big news coming out on a Monday night. Cody, do you have any specific reaction to James Robinson being traded to the Jets? Um, I do have him in one league, so it'll just be nice for him to have some kind of fantasy relevance because I think it's clear. Uh, it seemed to be clear on Sunday, but obviously clear now that Travis Etienne has taken over that backfield officially. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and hopefully James Robinson gets some opportunity with New York. Seems like he'll at least be worked in, probably the 1B behind uh, Michael Carter, at least to begin his tenure in New York. But they need somebody after that Brees Hall injury. That was sad stuff. We'll get to that when we react to uh, Jets and Broncos later on. Uh, but starting out with our Thursday night game, uh, New Orleans, Arizona. Arizona wins 42-34 in this one. Obviously, we did a small reaction in our uh, Week 7 preview, but we'll uh, touch on the main points here again on the New Orleans side. I think Kamara and Alave are really good. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. I think you're basically locking them into your lineups. And then Taysom Hill is, you know, one of those guys you're just hoping he scores a touchdown, which he does a little bit more than most other streamable tight ends. So he's an option, and that's pretty much it for the Saints. Yep, I'm right there with you. Nothing really changed for the Saints for me. And then on the Arizona side, um, it was good to see DeAndre Hopkins doing his thing out there. Had 10 catches uh, for 103 yards. Not a ton of stuff downfield, but uh, it doesn't seem like that's really his game anymore at uh, 30 years old. But if he's getting that many looks, he's going to be just fine as a solid wide receiver, too, for you. Better in PPR than none. 
And then Kyler Murray, I think, will be better. Had a couple touchdowns vultured from him from his running backs. Uh, it looks like he's a little bit more comfortable with Hopkins on the outside. And if they keep letting him run the ball, uh, then he will be a solid option for you moving forward because his defense is bad, and they will force him to put up a lot of points moving forward. Um, and then I, I guess uh, with the backfield, you know, Benjamin looked okay in this one. Um, hopefully, if you have him on your roster, he maintains a little bit of a role once James Conner comes back, but you know, I don't have a ton of hope there. Yeah, I would say when James Conner uh, comes back, I'd expect Eno to kind of go back to his previous role. But, um, yeah, he did look good, so he's definitely worth keeping on the roster. And then on the D-Hop and Kyler, I think I'm maybe just a little bit higher on both of those guys. I just think D-Hop could be a borderline wide receiver one still. Uh, I think he looked really good out there. And I think it's a, it's always a little bit easier to do when you come in, you know, completely healthy and everyone else has been playing football for six weeks. So we'll see if he's able to maintain that. But I think, like you said, he kind of just stabilizes this Arizona offense and he's kind of just a calming presence that Kyler seems to need. So um, as long as Hopkins is out there, I think Kyler gets a little bit of a bump and I think Hopkins is still very elite. So uh, if the... Hopkins manager is willing to, to let him go for a reasonable price. I would definitely look into making that move. Yeah, I'm definitely a little lower on him. I just don't know if I think he's the same guy uh, that we saw in late Houston, early Arizona. Uh, it seems like his route tree has been a little diminished the last couple of years. And if he's getting 14 looks a week like he did this week, then I will lose this bet. But I think it's going to be closer to 8 to 10. Seems like they kind of you know, sort of force the ball his way a few times just to kind of get him back in the flow of things. But I think he'll be solid either way, kind of a, a high floor guy. I just don't see a ton of upside with this offense. I don't know if he's if he's getting 14 targets a week, obviously he's going to be fine. But that's that's just a lot to expect. So um, I don't know if you have anything to add to Diop, but I don't think we're too far apart. You're just a little bit higher on his upside than I am, I'd say. <clears throat> yeah, no, but that's totally fair. Atlanta, Cincinnati, uh, 35-17, Cincinnati takes this one. Um, on the Atlanta side, I <laughs> I uh, have a little bit of a rant to go into here. I'll keep this really short, but I, I think if yep. there was any game that the Falcons were going to open up their offense, it was this one. They were trailing by 14 points with five minutes left in the first quarter, and they were trailing by two scores the entire game for the rest of the way. They ran 45 plays on offense, and they passed the ball 13 times in this game. Um, I just don't know how you can start anybody that catches, catches passes on Atlanta. I don't know how you could have a better situation against a team that – uh, kind of has a little bit of a, a run funnel defense, or excuse me, a pass funnel defense. Uh, they, they did lose a good defensive tackle a couple weeks ago, but uh, besides the point, they the, the Atlanta Falcons just refused to, to pass the ball. It was infuriating to watch them on Sunday as a guy that has a, a few shares of Drake London. I, um, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say about Atlanta. Arthur Smith is a very scared, scared little man. He does not want to throw. I, there, was, there was a point where they were down 18 points in the fourth quarter, 10 minutes left to go. They had the ball. They had. They were chasing three scores, Cody, and they're running on first and second down, like three, four uh, chain chains in a row. It just, it was just absolutely awful to watch. And until they change their philosophy, you can't start basically anybody that plays for them on the pass catching side. And those are kind of the guys we were really interested in coming into the year. So disappointing, but hopefully a, a philosophy shift at some point this year occurs if they keep losing games like this. 
Yeah, I mean, like like we kind of highlighted last week, this is Chicago South, and we highlighted that you can't start any of the Bears' pass-catching options because the volume is so low, and I think that is the same situation here. Um, really, Kyle Pitts, the only reason you even consider starting him is because of his name value, and you know he is really a wide receiver that plays tight end, but, um, I mean, Will Disley has outscored him on the season so far, so that's just goes to show you that <clears throat> even though you feel like pitch should be locked and loaded each and every week, it's it's really rough out there in Atlanta. So um, I'm there with you. I mean, Drake London, it stinks. I have him in a league as well. Um, maybe when they come out of the bye, their bye week, they will be more of a pass-heavy team. But, yeah, I, I don't blame you for going on a rant because it's pretty irritating for, I think, all fantasy players, um, especially when you draft a tight end as, as early as the third round and that team only throws the ball 13 total times. That is a uh, it's a rough look. So, that's like I said, hopefully they turn it around. But for right now, I think I'm just sitting all of my Atlanta pass-catching options. And uh, I think Tyler Algier is somebody you can look at in a deep uh league situation better in non-PBR but uh, he did get 16 carries he's gotten pretty consistent work has somewhat of a floor just because of that and uh, he scored on Sunday so again he's an option but a lower end one not one with a ton of upside on the Cincinnati side uh, they absolutely balled out in this one Joe Burrow threw for 481 in this one three scores uh, ran in another one he is very good. Uh, this game was pretty encouraging for me if you are uh, anybody that has shares in the Cincinnati offense, especially on the pass-catching side, because they are kind of doing the opposite of Atlanta and letting their quarterback actually throw the ball down the field occasionally, uh, more than occasionally. Actually, uh, Zach Taylor's been historically pretty run-heavy, uh, even in game scripts that don't really call for it in this one. Kind of the opposite. You'd expect uh, Cincinnati to be able to kind of establish the run up multiple scores, like I said before, pretty early on. But 42 of 66 plays were pass plays in this one. Just allowed Joe Burrow to do his thing, and he did it very well. So uh, pretty much all the options in this one were solid, even Mixon, because if the offense is just moving the ball that well, then you know he's going to get scoring opportunities like he did uh, in this one. So stock up, everybody in Cincinnati. Yep, I completely agree with you. I don't think anything changes too much with them. Um, I think Boyd is someone that you can consider a flex option. Um, I just think he's very, very risky, um, probably on the very low end of the boom-bust options. I just think he's very, he's much more likely to bust any given week than he is to have a solid fantasy day. So um, I probably won't be throwing him out there in any leagues, but he is someone who he just deserves to be mentioned, especially with buys and, and such like that coming up. Yeah, I think he I, – I probably like him a little bit more than you do. Um, I, I just think that if this is actually a philosophical change in Cincinnati and they're going to be more of a pass-heavy team and let Joe Burrow throw it, uh, you know, when he plays like this, he can support three pass catchers pretty easily. Um, I, I If he's continuing to get 40 to 45 attempts in neutral, you know, or even positive game script games like this one, then I think he'll be able to support three guys. And Boyd is just pretty good, I think, too, as an NFL receiver. He just doesn't get the target value that, you know, the Higginses, the Chases, and the other kind of guys that we draft in that top 20 or 30 do. But if he's getting uh, consistently at least six targets a week, I think he could be a good option. But, um I like Tyler Boyd a little bit more than you do, probably. 
<laughs> moving on to Indy, Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee takes this one 19-10. This was a really ugly game to watch. Uh, both teams under 300 total yards. You never like to see that. On the Indy side, we have some movement in the quarterback realm. Uh, looks like they're moving forward with Sam Ellinger. So, you know, that means Matt Ryan's day did not go very well. Um, he played pretty badly. Had a couple pretty bad turnovers in this one. And just generally looks not like himself this year. Looks like he's kind of fallen off the map as a, as a starting quarterback in the NFL. But they said they were going to go with Sam Ellinger in, instead of Matt Ryan, uh, even regardless of his shoulder injury. So, Cody, were you surprised to see that? I I definitely was, but I, I don't really blame them. I, I guess they're just trying to, trying to th- shake things up with this offense. Yeah, I feel like they just have to – they have to try and find a way to start winning um, and like and just get this offense rolling a little bit more. I will say I am surprised because I don't think Sam Ellinger is, Sam Ellinger is like a top-level backup, um, whereas if they had someone, I, I don't even know who I'm trying to think of, like a, a Jordan Love or someone that could potentially sure. be a next like top guy, you know, and I don't even know if Jordan Love will be that, but – regardless of that point right I just I just don't think Sam Ellinger is going to come in and you know be a a great NFL quarterback so it's just kind of that I think that's the most surprising part um shout out to Atlanta for getting a decent little haul for Matt Ryan (laughs) yeah he has come in and just been garbage but I I don't necessarily (laughs) mind it I think Pittman like his stock kind of stays pretty steady just because he's the wide receiver one he's going to get the looks that are designed um, I mean, are they going to come down a little bit? Yeah, but Matt Ryan's been terrible, so I don't think he's going to take that big of a fall. Pierce would be the one that I think takes a little bit of a drop, and then Taylor should have a little bit of a bump up because they should after they should run the ball more with a young quarterback. But we'll kind of see. I'm a little hesitant with all Indiana and Indianapolis options, but. I think Pittman and Taylor are both too good to take out of your lineup. I, I think the reason that you laid out the end there is why I'm worried about Pittman. Um, I kind of see them going to more of a – I think this signals that they want to be a more run-heavy, no-mistakes type of team uh, because Matt Ryan was just tossing the ball all over the place, throwing a lot of interceptions, and uh, it seems like that <laughs> – Right, and it seemed like that specifically irritated uh, his coach uh, – Frank Reich. Sorry, I couldn't think of his name for a second. But I just think if if Pittman doesn't just absolutely dominate the target share and they're throwing the ball like 25 times a game, he might, you know, just have some really inconsistent weeks. Whereas even in a game like this where the offense was terrible, he still got nine looks, caught six balls for 58 yards, and he lost a fumble, which is unfortunate. But he didn't absolutely kill you like some other guys can when, you know, they just get four or five targets. So hopefully yeah. Ellinger, uh, you know, hyper-targets him in that would have probably solved this issue, but um, we'll have to just kind of see how this offense goes. We It's really hard to say. We don't really have much uh, data to go on with Sam Ellinger, so uh, we will see. Yep. On the Tennessee side, uh, the offense was just super conservative in this one. Derrick Henry got 30 carries for 128 yards, so he was you know just kind of running the rock into the back of his offensive lineman for three or four yards quite a bit. They were up a lot in the first half, and they just kind of weren't forced to pass. So it seems like Mike Vrabel just did not want Ryan Tannehill to throw the ball when uh, he doesn't have to. I'd say the only real thing I got from this game is that if you have an IR spot, you should stri- you should stash Traylon Burks because uh, this offense really needs him to come back and be a big 
part of it. Uh, but yeah, other than that, just Derrick Henry is a solid play, obviously, because of his volume, and that's that's pretty much it on Tennessee. Yep, I'm right there with you. This team's going to be super easy moving forward. I do think Traylon Burks is a solid stash, but it's basically just Her- Derrick Henry, and that's going to be all that I want from this team. We'll see what happened when we'll see what happens when Burks comes back, but you're still going to have that week where you're a little hesitant to play him. You know, one or two weeks, and then you know. It's just going to be a while before I think he makes an impact for fantasy. Yeah, I just yeah, I think definitely only if you have an IR uh, or you're in just a for very sure. deep league, then. But I, I think he just he's just going to have a chance if he can come back and healthy at some point this year because they really need a playmaker on the outside. Um, for sure. Giants at the Jaguars. Gi- uh, the Giants take this one twenty three to seventeen. On the Giants side, Saquon Barkley is very good. He had one hundred ten yards. 25 through the air, did not get into the end zone, but still a solid day for him. Um, I think Wandale Robinson's involvement was encouraging. He had eight targets in the first half, but then he got hurt, did keep playing, um, but kind of was on and off the field in the second half and did not end up getting a target. So keep an eye on his health, but he could be interesting if he's, you know, being involved to that degree, even if it's, you know, eight to 10 targets, we, you know, we might have an option here, but I think Daniel Jones is the other guy to talk about here. 11 carries, 107 yards, and a touchdown. If he keeps running the ball this much, I think similar to a guy we'll get to later, Justin Fields with Chicago, he could be an option for guys looking uh, you know, for quarterback options for, I think, the Chiefs and Chargers are on by next week. So if you're a Mahomes or Herbert manager, you need a streamer. Jones plays uh, the Seattle Seahawks next week, so he might be a good ad for you. Yeah, that's a good matchup. I actually like him for next week. Um, But, yeah, just to kind of go over the Giants in general, Saquon Barkley is that guy. Um, And then the pass-catching options, you know, Wandale, it was nice to see his involvement, but I need to see him stay healthy and continue to get involved in the workload. We've been kind of classifying him as a stash, so I think he's still there. I wouldn't have a lot of confidence playing him, but at least he's finally on the field and getting a little bit of work. And then with Daniel Jones, like I said, I agree with you, especially with some big names coming up, going to be on by this week. Um, I think Jones would probably be the last guy that I have in the streamable tier, but he is there now. It's just very, very risky. Yeah, you're right. It is pretty risky, especially on the road, but I just love that Seattle Seahawks matchup. That's, Seattle's uh, not bad. They're yeah. one of the best matchups in the NFL for uh, for quarterbacks like this just because their offense can you know force scoreboard pressure and their defense lets it up. But um, I think there are – obviously Daniel Jones is always prone to a dud game, but uh, I just really like that rushing involvement. It gives him a nice floor. On the Jacksonville yeah. side, uh, like you said earlier, Travis Etienne, emerging as the guy in this one 14 carries 114 yards a touchdown i was kind of surprised they did not go to him more uh in the second half uh only one catch on five targets but you like that they were looking his way uh, in the passing game a little bit more he looked very good with the ball in his hands and obviously now that james robinson is gone he's going to be the guy moving forward so I, ho- I just hope he can stay healthy i hope they uh don't run him up the middle that much just because he is a slight slider guy. I'd like to see him on the edges with the ball in his hands in space a little bit more often than, uh, you know, their, sure. their traditional offense with James Robinson in the, in the back. Anything yep, you want to say on ETN? No, I mean, it's, it's nice. His time is now. Um, like, I, like we've been saying to go get him, but at this point it's going to be hard to get him because the ETN manager who's held him for 
this amount of time is not going to want to have to give him up for anything less than a premium. So um, if you held on to ETN or went out and got him, then the time is now. So throw, throw him in that lineup, and you can play him pretty confidently. Good ba- good bounce back from Christian Kirk in this one. Uh, Ten targets, seven catches, 96 yards. Solid day from him. Uh, he's you know probably going to be a little inconsistent the rest of the year, but looks like he's going to be a playable option most weeks. Trevor Lawrence. He can still, He just continues to kind of struggle with consistency. I feel like he just this offense looked really good in the first quarter. Uh, through the first couple drives, they had a good had a good rhythm going, and then Lawrence just started missing passes for a while. Ended up twenty two of forty three. So uh, he's definitely struggled with consistency. But Doug Peterson's not scared to just kind of let him get back there and learn. So he's going to throw the ball a lot, and he ran in another touchdown in this one. I think he is kind of similar to Daniel Jones, a, a solid streamer moving forward, depending on the matchup. Next week, I believe they play Denver, so you're going to want to not start him in that game. But uh, moving forward, he's a he's a solid streamer. Yep, I, my note here, if Daniel Jones is a streamable option, I think we got to put Trevor Lawrence in there as well. But he's also kind of in that very risky kind of tier. But, yeah, next week I would not not advise you start Trevor Lawrence. That Denver defense looks really, really good. They have not allowed a passing touchdown since week three, and we are two and five. You absolutely love to yep. see it. Um, <laughs> uh, that's pretty much it on uh, the Jags and the Giants, uh, Browns and Ravens. Uh, Ravens win this one 23 to 20. Uh, one of the two games on the slate that really got affected by the weather in my in my mind, uh, this one and then the uh, Green Bay Washington one, which we'll talk about later. Funnily enough, this that one ended 23 21. So very similar games in that regard, but. Cleveland-Baltimore, on the Cleveland side, it was a nice bounce back from Nick Chubb. He had 91 yards and a score on the ground, caught a couple passes as well. Uh, Good to see any targets uh, for him. Kareem Hunt continues to disappoint. He did score in this one, but still did not have a very good game. Four yards on the ground, four yards through the air. His snap count has not dropped considerably, so I want to say that these, uh, you know, last couple games where he's only gotten five or six touches is just an anomaly, but... They're definitely not, you know, like, I don't think they're prioritizing getting him the ball like they were in seasons past. Might be a trade on the horizon for Kareem Hunt. Maybe they saw the premium that the Panthers got from the 49ers on the running back market, and they want uh, to keep him healthy for a possible trade. But I think barring that, you uh, are hoping that this is just a, you know, a blip on the radar as far as his volume is concerned. How, how do you feel? Yeah, I... I wouldn't be as concerned if Cleveland, you know, ended up winning this game, but I would consider Kareem Hunt to be one of your better playmakers on the offensive side, and for him to get this low of work of a workload is very concerning for me, um, especially in the passing game. Only two two targets, one catch for four yards. Um, I think that's where he, we typically see a lot of his. Um, just it's where he scores a lot of points and where his, his upside kind of comes into play. So I do think he could get traded. I think he's probably, if I had to make a list of players I thought could get traded, he'd probably be in my top three. So I'm just going to kind of chalk this up to that, but we'll see what happens next week. If if there's not a trade, I'm, I'm going to be pretty hesitant starting Kareem Hunt, but um, you know maybe this is just a down week and next week things will kind of go back to normal but we're kind of piling up bad weeks with Kareem Hunt now so something's got to be there's got to be probably something else behind it 
Yeah, you would hope so. It would make just too much sense for them to trade him. He requested a trade before the season started. Uh, they're two and five. They're going to have to start Brissett for at least five more weeks, I believe. It's uh, five more, maybe four. But they're probably yep. not going to be in playoff contention at that point, and it's make just it just makes more sense to go get some for Kareem Hunt when you have maybe the best one or two running backs, uh, one or two, one or two of the best running backs in the NFL, you know, in the backfield other than other than him. So it just makes a lot of sense for the Browns, in my opinion. Uh, their sure. their pass catchers were fine in this one. They're at least the ones you care about. And Joku seven catches, seventy one yards. That's very solid for a tight end. And then Amari Cooper three for seventy four, only four targets. Uh, again, uh, we we said he had a kind of a tough matchup, and the weather was not great. So th- that line's not going to kill you. On the Baltimore yep. side, Lamar had another tough game. Uh, this one again very much affected by the conditions. Only sixteen pass attempts in this one, in large part due to that. He had 10 carries for 59 yards, but Gus Edwards kind of stole the show, especially near the goal line. So uh, getting we'll get to him in a second, but I'm not necessarily concerned about Lamar. Mark Andrews was banged up. Banged up. Bateman's, uh, this was his first game back from his foot injury. So a lot of banged up pass catchers with bad conditions in the divisional game. He just didn't get the touchdown luck at the end either. So not very worried about Lamar moving forward. How do you feel? I'm not going to be overly concerned with Lamar. Um, uh, obviously, Lamar or Mark Andrews kind of being limited in this game, I felt like kind of kind of hurt him a little bit. But it's gonna be you're not gonna find anybody out there that's streamable that you're gonna be more confident in than starting Lamar. Um, if you have lost confidence in Lamar, I would take a look at trade options. But for me, I'm not gonna overreact. I, he's still. Um, the best or the second best fantasy football quarterback when he is right. So I'm not going to overreact to a couple of down weeks, even though they are starting to pile up quite a bit now. Yeah, I just saw a lot in this game that showed that I, there was a, there was a lot of actual. Sometimes there's reasons, sometimes there's excuses. I, I thought I saw a lot of reasons Lamar did not you know contribute in a fantasy perspective in this week. But uh, yep. one of the main reasons he didn't was Gus Edwards because he had 66 yards and two scores on the ground. He got way more run than I expected coming right off of that uh, knee injury. And, yeah, uh, like you have in the notes here, we need to drop basically all our fab on Gus Edwards if you have any left and he's available in your league because uh, there's a potential for him to be kind of the lead guy the rest of the year. Dobbins, four to six weeks on that knee scope. Who knows if he gets back in time. Uh, for fantasy purposes and is healthy enough to even take the work from him if Gus is playing well. So, yeah, definitely worth, I'd say, basically whatever you have left in fab to go get him because this is a potential starting running back the rest of the year. Yep, I agree with you. I think he's worth a, a pretty good fab dump. Um, if you're any, if you're even a little bit running back needy, push in all your chips on the table for him. He's, he's going to be worth it. Um, I mean <laughs> – Tia, I, I was listening to something today, and someone said teams only want to give Kenyon Drake the football when they are forced to. Because when he's healthy and practices for the full week with the team, he ends up not getting the workload that everyone's expecting. So um, I think Gus Edwards is going to be clearly above him. And then even when J.K. Dobbins comes back, if he comes back, um, you know, I, I think Gus has a good chance to kind of maintain the RB1 in this team or in this room. So. Yeah, I, I'm good with dumping the rest of your fab on him, especially if you need uh, a running back of any kind. Yeah, totally agree on Gus. Go get him if you if you can uh, control it whatsoever. 
definitely uh, worth worth the buy at this point with all the running backs going down uh, at, at you know right now in the in the landscape. But we will get to those injuries later. Uh, Detroit at Dallas is our next game. Dallas wins this one 24 to six. On the Detroit side, I think. This is another dud of a game here from this offense. So two in a row obviously is never ideal, but we've got two of the toughest defenses in the NFL on the road without basically two of their best playmakers uh, through the whole game. Uh, Monroe St. Brown got a concussion essentially right away on the second drive in this one, so his return was delayed, and then DeAndre Swift ended up not playing, surprisingly, in this one, uh, needing another week for his injuries to uh, get better. So I think this offense will look a lot better with, a slightly softer matchup and those two healthy and back in the lineup moving forward. So I, I, you know, I, I it kind of sucks for these options right now, but I think this offense will uh, regain a little bit of its early season form once those guys get back. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you when it comes to Detroit. I think that um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to overreact on this team because just what I kind of, not not much changes with this matchup. I just I want to play the starting running back, whether that's Swift or uh, Jamal uh, Williams, and then I want to start Hawkinson because of the tight end, and then Amon Ross St. Brown, and then after that, the rest of the options I'm not really excited about, um, and that nothing really changes going into next week. As long as your options are healthy and playing, I think I'm going to play them. It's just Dallas may have you know a top three defense in the NFL this year. It's just going to, it was a tough matchup. And then uh, St. Brown was taken out because I believe it was the new concussion protocol where he just looked like he had mm-hmm. a potential concussion. So they took him out right away. So that kind of stunk for him. But like I said, just not going to overreact with the, with the Detroit options. I, I would start them all again next week as long as they're playing. Yeah, I agree on Detroit. Uh, I think they will have better days ahead with some softer matchups on the horizon. But on the Dallas side, uh, both the running backs were solid. Zeke and Pollard uh, both had decent days. Zeke 57-2 and two on the ground. Pollard 83 yards on the ground and then 26 through the air on two catches. Um, I think this backfield is pretty solidly you know, defined at this point where uh, Zeke is probably going to lead in total carries by a few. He's going to have the high-value touches near the goal line, and then Tony Pollard's probably going to have a better per-carry average and maybe catch a couple passes, but, you know, sort of work more in between the 20s. So I think Zeke's the one you want slightly, with uh, obviously Pollard having a little more upside if Zeke were to get hurt. He did bang up his knee in this one, but he did come back, so I think he'll be fine. Uh, Just keep an eye on him. Um, Obviously Pollard, slightly higher upside, but I think Zeke will be the better play while he's healthy. Do you disagree? Nope, I agree with you on that one also. I think this backfield kind of played out exactly how, how we've been predicting. Pollard in between the 20s and Zeke where, where you know, on the goal line. So I think it's going to kind of maintain that unless there's an injury. So I think you're good with both options. And then uh, C.D. Lamb, a little bit of a disappointing day, four for six uh, for 70 yards. Deck, uh, his tendency to spread the ball around seems like it might just be a habit of him as a quarterback rather than, you know, a circumstantial thing where he had, you know, all the options, so he just spread it around. Seems like he might just kind of be that type of quarterback. I think Noah Brown got five targets in this one. Dalton Schultz saw five targets in this one. Uh, He actually had a little bit of a resurgence here. Might be at least on the streaming radar next week, but... 
hoping that Dak maybe starts to hyper-target Lamb a little bit more uh, moving forward for him to reach his uh, you know, nuclear upside that he was showing a little bit more in the beginning of the year. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with with that. Also, I think a lot. I think these Dallas options, um, you know, the pass catching options for me just again just don't change too much with Dak coming back. Um, I kind of expected just a little bit of a down week, just taking you know the week to shake off some rust and kind of get back in the rhythm of things. So, not too worried. Obviously, Gallup with a complete zero always sucks, but. Um, uh, I would not expect that moving forward. Like you said, Dak usually spreads the ball around quite a bit, just unfortunately not towards Gallup this weekend. Yeah, definitely looking for a bounce back from him next week against Chicago, even though they played pretty well tonight. I think that is a beatable defense for sure. Um, yep. Green Bay and Washington uh, is the next game on the uh, on the docket here. Washington wins 23-21 in another very ugly game back and forth here. Uh, on the Green Bay side, their offense is horrible. Um, again, weather conditions definitely affected them, but it was no excuse against a pretty bad Washington defense to this point in the year. They had 232 total yards, Cody. That is just horrible for a full game yep. in the NFL. Um, anything under 300 is really just not good enough for someone with Aaron Rodgers, uh, our team with Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback, but 232 is just, that is horrible. Not going to get it done. Um, the only positive was Aaron Jones. He had 10 targets, caught nine of them, 53 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, his rushing volume was pretty low again, but I hope Aaron Rodgers is realizing that he is his best offensive piece. He's got to get him more involved, uh, especially in the passing game. They are really struggling to run the ball right now. That's kind of the other problem that they're having. A.J. Dillon's basically unusable. Only four carries in this one. Seems like they've, you know, it, it, it's hard for them to establish lanes up the middle right now, I think, just because their offensive line is just not very good. So Aaron Jones on the edges is sort of where they're getting any sort of traction. So he's kind of the back that profiles more as that uh, that type of rusher. I think that's why you're seeing the transition to Jones right now. Uh, do you have anything else on the Packers' backfield? No, I and we'll talk about it more whenever we, we go over the Week 8 matchups, but Dylan's an interesting piece. I mean, someone that, that's definitely benchable at this point, and oh, yeah. they kind of seem to be moving away from him, so... He's kind of the, the the biggest piece here that, that took a downfall for me this week. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess we'll kind of think about that one a little bit more. Obviously, you can't drop him because he's one of the better handcuff and, and insurance pieces, but um, he kind of moves out of that Kareem Hunt, Tony Pollard situation, and, and now he's kind of just that, just the insurance handcuff piece. Yeah, seems that way right now uh, until they show me something different with their uh, utilization of A.J. Dillon. And the pass catchers yeah. were obviously disappointing as well um, since there was only 232 yards to go around, and Aaron Jones had about <laughs> 80 of them um, and both the touchdowns on offense. So, again, not a lot left over. Lazard was okay, six catches, 55 yards. Dobbs was a complete goose on four targets. Or, excuse me, I said uh, Dobbs was a complete goose on uh, four targets. So uh, he's just a bench guy for me right now. I don't think you consider him either. Lazard is fine, but just doesn't have a ton of upside. And then uh, I guess Robert Tanyan's the other guy. He's just a streamer at this point. Yeah, Tanyan is who he is, and he's just lucky that he plays tight end, so he still gets fantasy relevance. Yep. Um, but, 
yeah, Lazard, I'm right there with you. He kind of is who he is also. He's a fine player. You're not overly excited to play him, though. Um, really, any of these guys you're probably not going to be overly ex- overly happy with unless they find their way into the end zone. So that's just kind of the downside with this Green Bay offense right now. And on Washington's side of things, Taylor Heineke actually played an okay game. Obviously started out pretty early with a bad pick six, but – Gutted it out after that, did pretty well for himself, uh, again, against a pretty tough defense in some bad conditions in this one. Um, Terry McLaurin made an appearance, five catches for 73 yards and a score. This is just kind of how he operated with uh, Taylor Heineke last year as somebody that had Terry McLaurin in a pretty important league. I watched a lot of Washington games, and it seems like Heineke would play one good and then two bad, and you know, just kind of mix in a, a little mixed bag in there after that, so... I, I think McLaurin will be fine, but he's just you don't don't expect him to be an elite guy moving forward with Heineke. He's just going to be inconsistent because he's a backup for a reason. Uh, I was actually more encouraged with Curtis Samuel getting eight targets, so it seems like he might still be somewhat usable. I didn't know if that was going to be the case. Anything you want to add on the Washington pass catchers, Cody, or is that a pretty succinct description? I think you summed I think you summed it up pretty well. I'm just. I'm a little bit concerned. I don't know how consistent these options are going to be. And obviously, as we kind of lean into the um, back half of the season and into the playoffs, I want to make sure I'm going to have the consistent options on teams. So uh, these guys might not be bad plug-and-play pieces, but I, I'm going to try and avoid having to rely on uh, on Samuel at least. I don't mind McLaurin with, with Heineke, but... We'll kind of see how it plays out. I'm just a little hesitant still. Yeah, I like. I think McLaurin's definitely the guy you want with Heineke under center, in my opinion. Um, and yeah. then in the backfield, Brian Robinson continues to dominate touches. Uh, Antonio Gibson actually got 10 carries in this one, but Robinson got 20. Uh, also caught a couple balls for 13 yards. Uh, didn't score. This is kind of the downside of these guys that aren't really involved in the passing game very much. They don't score. They're not going to have great days, but... 22 touches is hard to overlook, so I think he's still probably in the back end of RB2s moving forward, just not an incredibly exciting option. Yep, I think, yeah, you nailed it. Whenever you're not involved in the passing game, it it can definitely kill you because whenever you just hear 22 for, you know, approximately 86 yards, if he gets a touchdown, you're really happy with that day. But without the touchdown, that kind of kills it, but... You kind of have him slotted perfectly. He's a back-end running back, too, um, at this point. So not too bad. Definitely valuable for your team, but his upside is ultimately capped, just not being involved in the passing game. Yeah, and the fact that this offense is just very okay, probably slightly below average um, overall. (laughs) Very okay. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's probably the nicest way I I could describe Washington's offense. But uh, they did win this weekend, so good for them uh, in that regard. Tampa Bay, Carolina, another – Horribly ugly game here. 21-3, to Carolina wins. Uh, Tampa Bay, their offense looks absolutely horrible right now. It's really just coming down to a lack of red zone execution. It's pretty ridiculous. Tampa Bay and Denver have just been absolutely horrible anytime they've approached the 20-yard line. Um, Tom Brady's really, I mean, not playing well in, in between the 20s, but uh, you know, almost 300 yards in this one. Uh, if he could punch home one or two of these drives, this day would just look a lot better. So I think there's positive aggression here, but you know, there are legitimate reasons to be worried about this offense. His pass catchers are worse. His offensive line is worse. You know, his running backs are probably a year older and not as good either. So um, there's legitimate reasons that they're not as good. I think he'll be closer to a back end QB one than 
maybe the front end one you were hoping for, but I think he'll be better than what he's been to this point as well. Yeah, I definitely think he's been he'll he'll be better than what he has been, and I don't think that he's droppable still. I don't think that you're gonna find streaming candidates out there that you're gonna be happier with. Um, I and for the other options on this team, I'm still gonna consider them all buy candidates, um, especially coming off of now kind of a downish week um, or a down week for the entire team. But I just want to go. I want to know: Are you kind of in that same camp, or are you just kind of holding or trying I, to sell? Any I think of these, you have to be. Um, I might not be buying Chris Godwin just because I think he's not completely healthy right now. It doesn't look like the same guy. But the target, the target volume for Godwin and Evans is really incredible. And they, they saw twenty eight looks this week. I think Godwin's seen twenty five in the past two weeks combined. I mean, I, I don't know how it doesn't get better. I mean, they're they're you know having some of the worst efficiency that any of them have had in their careers. And they're still, you know, probably wide receiver threes just because of their volume. So it's hard to not see them as, right. as buys. For sure. And then uh, the running backs, I may have a little more concern here. Leonard Fournette, eight carries for 19 yards, only two of three in the passing game for seven yards. That, uh, that's, you know, that's the part that kills you. You were kind of relying on him to save you with passing work. If uh, you know, if the rushing's not there, but, He's down to a 60% snap share in three of the last four. Rashad White has been eating into his work a little more. Uh, I think that's the bigger worry for me if I have Leonard Fournette. Rashad White has looked slightly better to me when he's been on the field um, in his limited uh, limited touches. But I think I'm slightly concerned about Fournette. You're still starting him moving forward, but just be careful. I think Rashad White has a chance to take over this backfield at some point this year. Yeah, I think Rashad White's on the uh, the short list of backup running backs that need to be rostered yep. because he's just kind of slowly getting more and more involved. So I think that um, if he's out there in, in your league, definitely look to add him. And then, uh, yeah, with Fournette, nothing's really going to change for me on a week-to-week basis at this point. I'm still going to lock in Fournette to my lineup, but... Um, the, the biggest concern for me is just the, the snap share going, going down to 60%. Um, it's just where you drafted Fournette and what you thought of him. You definitely kind of expected him to maintain that workload. And if that, if he gets down to, you know, splitting time with Rashad White, then it's going to be a little bit of a risky play come fantasy playoff times and such. So if you're a Fournette manager, uh, he has, and he has another boom week. I may consider taking a look at trade options for him. Just and just see if you can maybe get someone who's a little bit more solidified going into the playoffs. Yeah, Fournette's just never been a very you know efficient running back when he hasn't been given an elite offensive line like he had last year. And even last year, not incredibly yeah. efficient, uh, really volume-driven for most of it. So I think uh, the lack... Of the uh, the top end line, uh, as you know, combined with the fact that Fournette's never really been that efficiency guy, is really just kind of exacerbating the issue that Tampa has, which is they just can't run the ball on first and second down. So they're putting Tom Brady in third and sevens, third and nines, and you know he's not converting them right now. On the Carolina side, uh, DJ Moore had his best game of the year, caught seven of his ten targets for sixty nine yards and a score. Uh, I think. The bigger thing for me here is that he saw 10 of the 22 total targets in this offense. Seems like Carolina realizes he is their number one offensive piece right now. And, yeah, hopefully P.J. Walker can actually get him the ball a little more consistently than Baker Mayfield. But even if Mayfield comes back and they start him, I I think that the – the coaching staff, I'm a little more confident in now just because the, you know, the incumbents are gone and 
DJ Moore seems like has been made a priority in this offense. So I think he's, you know, not not nearly back to where he was on draft day, but is a solid wide receiver three option. I'd kind of lump him in there with uh, a Terry McLaurin from a game we just talked about. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a pretty good category to have him in. I'd probably have him a little bit less, probably more towards like Curtis Samuel level, but I understand it. It was nice to see a good a good performance, but this is what we should be seeing from him. He's on this offense. There's no reason why he shouldn't be getting ten looks a game. So I think this is something that should maintain. And if it does, he, like you said, he can move into that wide receiver three role. But we'll just kind of see if it does. Um, you know, if, if I have DJ Moore, I'm still probably a little bit of hesitant, still a little hesitant putting him out there. But um, at least you got to see the new regime kind of turning it around with him. Um, but I, I'm a little bit, ugh, I am a little curious on these running backs here. Um, obviously Deontay Foreman, Chuba Hubbard, both got a little bit of run. My biggest concern here is your best case scenario is you have an RB one for the worst offense in football. Um, are you still, I obviously I'm sure a lot of these guys got added at the end of last week, but are you, are you burning any fab for either of these guys if they're available would you burn a waiver priority for either of these guys or would you kind of let other teams just kind of take them and let them clog up their rosters i think if you are extremely desperate for form and you can burn a waiver priority because at this point in the year you know you're, you're you need wins most likely if you're thinking about burning a waiver priority on deontay foreman so i think he'll be usable if you lost Brees Hall and, you know, maybe you've been banged up at the running back position in other ways as well, then I could see that, but I'm not incredibly interested. I think these guys will both split when they're healthy. Um, if Hubbard, yeah. who got banged up and left this game, misses time, Foreman would be a lot more interesting to me as the only guy. But uh, I think generally what you're going to see is mostly a 50-50 split in a really bad offense. And, you know, there's not going to be as much touchdown potential to go around as there was in this one. And there's they still only got one between them, so... I don't have a ton of optimism moving forward. Yeah, I don't either. I, I don't mind Foreman um, as a speculative ad if he's still out there. I guess not speculative because he's going to be playing, but I, I don't have very much confidence in either of these guys. And if you're rolling out Deontay Foreman or Chuba Hubbard, I think that's that's more of a desperation play, hoping they get into the end zone more than anything. Yeah, um, hopefully this Carolina offense figured something out on Sunday, but I think uh, it was probably closer to an outlier than you know what you should expect moving forward. Um, yep. Houston and Las Vegas is our next game. Las Vegas takes this one 38-20, comfortably clearing my uh, overbet on this one at 45-and-a-half. Um, on the Houston side, uh, Damian Pierce was solid once again. 20 carries, 92 yards, caught four balls for 25 yards, uh, didn't score but still had a solid game. Brandon Cooks, I think, is someone we have to have a discussion about. He really has not produced uh, the last four weeks. I think one of those in there, he did catch a touchdown, but uh, seven or fewer targets in four straight games, so that's not great. We like to see a pretty high target share with Brandon Cooks, and only 12% this past week played 89% of snaps, so he was on the field just not getting targeted the way he was last year. I'm holding on to him because I think he might be traded at some point in the next week or two to a better situation, but if that doesn't happen, uh, it just looks like Davis Mills is spreading the ball around for whatever reason a little more this year. Maybe Cooks has taken a step back, I'm not sure, but uh, how do you feel about it? Yeah, well, one thing about Cooks is he always likes to find his way into uh, 
you know, a decent fantasy finish. So I think he may have a, a little bit of a uh, renaissance here over these next couple of games, probably get into the end zone a couple of times. But um, if you can, I, I would not mind just kind of trading away Brandon Cooks if you can trade him based off name value, even though I do think there's a chance he kind of turns it around a little bit. Um, yeah, like you said, Davis Mills has just been spreading the ball around. And if Brandon Cooks gets traded, you know, does the option – he may go to a better offense, but is he going to be the main pass catcher in that offense? Probably not. So that's kind of a little where I'm a little hesitant there. Um, overall, Brandon Cooks as the fantasy player, I'm I'm just down on him. Just the target share is putrid. Um, but I would try and trade him away if I was the owner. Um, and if you are someone who's looking to acquire Brandon Cooks, if you can do it on the cheap side, I don't necessarily mind it either. Um, but I just I'm not I have him in a in a few leagues. He was a guy we talked up a lot during the uh, the draft season and stuff. So I, I I definitely stuck myself with him a bunch. And I I don't really know what to do with him because you would like to think that he should turn it around, but it's not going good. And I just he's just rough because he's a he's someone you should play every week when you really kind of look at who else I have on my teams. But he has been underperforming considerably. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. The target share thing is weird. I'd probably have to actually go in and watch all the passes that uh, Davis Mills has made this year, and I'm just not sure I'm ready to do that to myself. Uh, <laughs> but target share has just been a lot lower. It was uh, pretty heavy last year. I mean, I think he was in the 25, 30 percent range. Twelve Mills was on the field. He's closer to 20 this year. Um, that's you know just if you don't have a lot of opportunities, then it's going to be harder to make plays consistently like he did a year ago. So. Hopefully it turns yeah. around a little bit, but uh, 12% this past week was not encouraging at all. I thought this was a matchup he could exploit. On the Las Vegas side, uh, Josh Jacobs, hopefully you traded for him when we told you to. He is a man amongst boys right now. Um, has had some easier matchups the past few weeks, but his schedule moving forward isn't that tough. It, it looks like it might be the beginning of the year, but some of the defenses are softening up on his uh, slate coming up here. 143 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, I think that says pretty much everything. Um, he's locked in as an RB1 right now, and uh, I think you know you are just glad if you drafted him in the fourth or fifth round. And uh, on the receiving side, Devontae Adams is a solid option, as he always is. Caught eight balls for 95 yards, didn't score, but Josh Jacobs just kind of stole the show in this one. Nothing uh, really against Devontae. Same with Hunter Renfro, only had three targets, was kind of banged up coming into this one, still had 53 yards. So I, I think he's a fine flex option, similar to a Tyler Boyd on uh, Cincinnati. So not much change on the Vegas side. Keep going, Josh Jacobs. Yep, I'm right there with you. I think that basically everything that I felt about the Raiders on Thursday kind of got, uh, kind of played out for me pretty well this weekend. So I I agree. I think hopefully you traded for Josh Jacobs because he looks pretty elite right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, don't see any reason why they would go away from uh, his workload he's been getting recently, um, especially because they sure. don't have him on contract or under contract next year. So they have no reason not to just run his legs uh, completely out of steam this year while he's on the team. Uh, Jets and Broncos, I really don't want to talk about this game. A lot of sad stuff on both sides. Uh, really just depressing NFL football in this one. Uh, the Jets win 16-9. Brees Hall, um, really just tough here, even as a Broncos fan, to see him get injured in this one. 
ACL injury he's done for the year, so he is uh, droppable in all leagues, obviously, unless it's a keeper or a dynasty situation, but he was on his way to a giant breakout year. Looked incredible in this one. Won the Jets the game, essentially, with his 62-yard touchdown in the first quarter because that was enough offense to beat the Broncos uh, on this day, but... Really sad news for Brees Hall. Hopefully he recovers and comes back better than ever, but he looked really, really good. I was, you know, just, I wanted to see what he could do for the rest of the year, so sad to see for Brees. Michael Carter will split time with James Robinson moving forward. I think both are probably flex-level plays. It's just, we're going to kind of have to see how they, uh, you know, divvy up that timeshare. I imagine Carter might be the lead guy to at, least, at least to start. Yeah, I think I think I lean with you there. I think Carter is... Is going to be the lead guy at least this weekend, but I think they're they're going to be probably pretty close to fifty fifty the majority of the time. Um, Brees Hall, God, that just that sucks so bad. I have a uh, in one of my leagues, I have a DeAndre Swift Brees Hall combo that was just waiting to get unleashed upon the world, but just not going to happen this year, unfortunately. So that sucks, but hopefully he gets healed up and can come back and be relevant for. Uh, the Jets in for fantasy next year, so hopefully it gets healthy fast and uh, heals up nice and strong. But um, I think just the other thing about the Jets, just to hit on here, for pass catching options, I'm not starting any of them, and I think Garrett Wilson is the only one that I think is worth stashing. Uh, do you do you differ on that opinion at all? No, not at all. Um, and if Eli Moore comes no. back and isn't isn't traded, I'm not sure how any Jets receiver is going to have value the rest of the year. I think if it's anyone, yeah. it's Garrett Wilson, and that's just because he emerges as the guy. But uh, it's clear that when the Jets are winning a game, they do not want to let Zach Wilson throw the ball, which is probably a smart move, to be honest. Yep, for sure. On the Denver side, this is uh, somehow an even sadder offense to talk about right now, and that is because uh, there are very lim- very few options you feel comfortable starting to any degree. The running back situation's a mess. Gordon, Murray, and Boone all got some run. Gordon, 12 carries. Murray, uh, 9, Boone, 4. Can't start any of them right now. I think Gordon's the only one you can consider if you want uh, to be risky, but I could see any one of these three you know, kind of getting the hot hand and being the guy at any point in the game. So I, I don't like any of them right now. Uh, they, I think they play Jacksonville next week. That's not a horrible matchup, but I think you're just kind of picking your poison with these guys. And then... Uh, you know, Jerry Judy seemed to have the best rapport with Brett Rippon in this one. Saw 11 targets, caught seven for 96 yards. So solid day for him. But um, I just I don't know. I, I think if next week we came out and Sutton was the guy that had the better day, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. So I think it's just a a, a product of Rippon being a backup quarterback. There's a reason he's a backup quarterback, and um, you know this offense is just not going to be very good while he is under center. I think the only guy that I was actually kind of interested in is Greg Dulcich. He got nine targets for uh, 51 yards, caught six of them. He's pretty interesting. He's been very involved the two weeks that he's been back, and I I think he actually looks pretty good. So if you are very tight and needy, he's someone you might want to stash. Yeah, and Dulcich just – he has a a certain swagger about him. Because when you're watching this team, there's not a lot that really pops off the screen on the offensive side, but he definitely does. He – He's got whatever it is for sure. So that's that's cool for the Broncos. Um, yeah, I, I agree. And you kind of hit – you took exactly what I was going to say because I know you said, you know, you could potentially sit Sutton until Russ returns just because Rippon has the better connection with Judy. At least it seems that way. But and next week if these 
you know, stat lines are flipped and Sutton has the good day and Judy bust, I would not be surprised either. So if you're in a situation where you have to start those guys, I, I understand having to start them, but I would I wouldn't mind, you know, putting either of them on the bench if you're in a more shallow league. Yeah, and, the, and best case scenario at this point, you're going to have one touchdown to go around for the entire offense, and that's you know that's better than you could probably expect most weeks, honestly. So uh, there's just not a lot of upside with any of these guys right now. Uh, no one can make me talk about that you, game uh, anymore. Um, do you have any? Do you have any Denver Broncos uh, Super Bowl winner futures out there? No, I, I luckily did not waste any of my money on that uh so <laughs> i wasted good. some of my money on the broncos this year but none on uh the futures bets thank god seattle at the chargers is our next game this one much more interesting seattle wins at 37 23 uh kenneth walker is a man amongst boys making me feel a little better about that trade that i made that's looking a little lopsided right now um hey, over you. the past week but he is a man 168 yards two touchdowns in this one uh, he's a locked and loaded RB1 for the rest of the year, basically, for Seattle. This offense is good. Their defense is not so good. So I think that will just lead to a lot of high-scoring games, and he'll be involved, and he's going to get a ton of work. Lockett could be a must-start moving forward if DK is out long-term. I believe his um, – what was DK's injury? Was it an ankle? I, I forget exactly. Um, yes, I believe an ankle sprain. Okay, so we'll see if it's a high ankle. If it is, it's probably going to be at least uh, two or three weeks for DK, but uh, Lockett would be locked and loaded at that point if he is. And Marquise Goodwin was actually a pretty good play this past weekend. I just think with how good this offense has looked, and again, with the, the points that are usually in these games that they play, he's someone that you can look at if he is uh, you know going to be a full-time player while DK is out at 67 yards and two scores uh, in this past game. So we'll see, but... I think Lockett's, Lockett and Walker are the two guys you're really excited to start moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it looks like DK Metcalf had a patellar tendon injury. Um, unclear what the timeline is, but it looks like he is determined to practice Wednesday. Not sure if that'll happen. So looks like DK's may miss a little bit, but not going to be too much overall. Okay. So, uh, so don't spend yeah, it. Yeah, I think – but. Yep, I think yeah, I think Marquise Goodwin is someone you probably don't have to worry about adding. Um, and even if DK were to end up missing later in the week, he'd probably still be available. I don't think there's going to be too many people out there rushing to add him, but um, still just someone someone to have in the back of your mind, especially if DK were to miss. But yeah, Lockett and Walker are the two that you're most excited, um, you know, after this game. And then if if uh, if DK is back, then he kind of just jumps right back up into your starting lineup. And then on the Chargers side, uh, this whole offense has just kind of looked a little off uh, the past couple weeks. Herbert sort of volumed his way to a decent game in this one. Uh, 293 yards, two scores on 51 attempts. Not a great yards per attempt there for Justin. Uh, had three carries for 22 yards as well, so at least negated the interception there for you. But... Not a great game for him. Thought this might be a big one uh, before the bye, and he just didn't really break out the way I expected. Austin Eckler certainly uh, soaked up the targets in this one that Herbert was just dumping off to him constantly. 12 catches, 96 <laughs> yards, and a score. 
Nine carries, 31 yards, another score. He, I believe, is the RB1 on the year right now since Chubb has taken a little bit of a step back. So he has bounced back in a huge way after a rough couple weeks to start the year. I think we were a little bit worried about him, but he's looked very good. Mike Williams, he continues to play well, but he did hurt his ankle late in the game. Uh, they do have a bye next week, so that's good timing. Hopefully that gives him enough time to heal up. Just keep an eye on it. Keenan Allen uh, only played like 30% of the snaps, so his poor game was mostly due to that. Uh, I think he should be better uh, moving forward after the bye. Uh, that The report that I read said that he did not experience a setback or anything, so he should be fine uh, after the bye week. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, and Justin Herbert are all starters moving forward, but hopefully this offense can kind of just wake up a little bit. Yeah, I feel like they kind of needed the bye week. Um, they just they have talent all around. It's just looked really sloppy these past couple weeks. So um, yeah, they'll be they'll be fine. We'll just we'll see who is healthy coming out of the bye week. I know Mike Will- Mike Williams is the one that has the high ankle sprain. So as long as he is healthy and good to go, he'll go back into your lineup. But we'll we'll kind of revisit this team next week after after their bye and see see what kind of injury news we get out from them. Uh, Cody, I'll go ahead and let you take the lead on this next game because I'm sure you're uh, eager to talk about your Kansas City Chiefs. They win uh, 44 to 23 on the road against San Francisco. Cody, go ahead. Oh, Nick, let me let me just tell you about my Sunday in general. So obviously the fantasy side didn't go as great as I had wanted it to, but had bet my three best bets. I bet all of them. They were all in the morning slate. So we get to we get to the bar where we're watching the Chiefs game at. I'm just cashing all my bets. I'm super excited. And then I said, you know what? Today's the day. I just took all my winnings. Put it all on the Chiefs, minus one and a half, and it was such a great decision. Um, just made just made it made my weekend just a little bit better. Uh, but they they played really good, um, and the Chiefs are really good. No surprise there. They have one of the best coaches and one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, Mahomes was good, obviously for fantasy as well. Kelsey's good. Juju and MVS and McCole Hardman, all three had good days from the wide receiver position. Um, I think that that's a little bit of a, a little bit misleading. I don't think that any of them are are starters each and every week, but they're all boom bust options that could be started just about each and every week. And then uh, oh, the poor running back room for my Kansas City Chiefs. We thought we had finally found a guy in Clyde Edwards-Alaire that we uh, that we liked, but then we went ahead and named Isaiah Pacheco the starter Sunday morning. So, um, and that and with the running back situation, I think I'm just avoiding all of them. Um, I think they had definitely Clyde and Pacheco should be rostered, and hope that one of them can eventually take over the majority of the work. But for having been one of the best one of the best teams in the NFL, Mahomes and Kelsey are about the only two you can confidently start. And the rest you're just hoping that it's their week. Yeah, basically. I don't think I really changed my opinion on any of the Chiefs moving forward. Um, I think you're kind of coveting guys that are on offenses that uh, are not sputtering right now because a lot of fantasy relevant offenses coming into the year, uh, Packers, Bucks. Um, I can think of a few more. The Chargers we just talked about. Uh, there's a few others yep. that guys have just been a little more inconsistent than we expected. So, you know, guys that are on offenses that you know are going to score points every week are a little bit more valuable right now. But other than that, I have not changed my opinion on anybody on KC. Mahomes and Kelsey are very good. The rest of them are going to be inconsistent. 
Yep, for sure. And then on the San Francisco side, uh, good passing game script for them in this one. Debo Samuel had a disappointing game, uh, only five catches on seven targets for 42 yards, but I think better days are ahead for him. Uh, again, this is just somebody that's a little too good to not be utilized in this offense. Uh, there is going to be a lot of mouths to feed moving forward, so that'll be interesting to see who maybe takes a back seat. But Kittle and Ayuk both had solid days again. Kittle, 98 yards and a score. Ayuk, 7 and for 82. Uh, just solid outings all around for them. Lots of pass volume in this one, obviously, as they were down big uh, for most of the second half. And then hopefully McCaffrey will be better moving forward. I think he'll be worked in a little more, and we'll get a larger uh, share of the work out of the backfield. Yeah, I think I think he definitely will be. Um, basically, no one really changes in San Francisco for me besides Jeff Wilson, obviously a sharp downgrade with, with CMC. But we'll kind of see. We'll monitor practice reports. And it, it seems like there should be no doubt that CMC is the lead guy next week. But I wouldn't doubt it if Jeff Wilson still gets a little bit of work. So, um, But I think for fantasy purposes, you can move Jeff Wilson to the bench. CMC is going to be the only guy in this backfield I want to start. Um, Kittle's obviously a must start. Debo's a must start. Ayuk, I don't mind starting, but I, again, I think he's kind of game game script uh, dependent. In, in a game where they're down, they're having to throw the ball a lot. He's going to get the volume needed to be a good fantasy producer. But in a game where they can just run the ball, you know, as much as they possibly can, and they only have to throw it. 15, 20 times, then Ayuk's probably going to get phased out quite a bit. So um, I like him in the in the big high-scoring games, but if it's two good defenses going against each other, I think Ayuk can be the guy you, you look to bench. Yeah, I'll feel a lot better about this San Francisco or about these pass catchers if uh, their defense does not get better through the second half of the year here. I think they probably will because guys will get healthier, but – if uh, this defense stays bad, then I think they can continue this. But if it doesn't, I think there might be some consistency issues here. Uh, we just see the way they want to play when they're actually winning and their defense is playing well, and there's just not a ton of pass volume here. And we're talking about three guys that are basically exclusively pass catchers at this point since Debo isn't rushing, and then another one in Christian McCaffrey that you know gets a lot of his value from catching the ball as well. So... Not sure four guys are going to be able to have you know decent weeks every week. It might be pretty hit or miss with the San Francisco pass catchers unless, again, this defense is forcing them to throw the ball as much as they did on Sunday. Um, moving on to our last game of the night here, that's Pittsburgh-Miami. Uh, pretty disappointing game here considering how it started. Miami wins 16-10, zero points scored in the second half between these two teams. It was 16-10 going into half. Don't really see that very often, but... On the Pittsburgh side, Frymuth and Pickens had solid days. Uh, Pickens continues to, you know, be better with the targets that he gets on the outside than his running mate Deontay Johnson. He had six for 61 in the score. Deontay, once again, five for 10 for 42 yards, just struggling with efficiency, but he's getting the looks. So we'll see if they continue to throw his way. I can't imagine he's going to be this low efficiency all year. He's going to have to have some good games, but hasn't been great so far for him. And then uh, Najee Harris, kind of the same deal, uh, did get 21 opportunities, caught three passes, but only 80 total yards and did not score in this one. So uh, just a very uninspiring watch here for the Steelers right now. Yep, it is very uninspiring to have to watch the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers play football in all facets. So 
um, especially when you have some fantasy players playing for them. But I don't. <laughs> nothing really changes too much for me with them. I mean, Pickens and Deontay. If you have to throw, you know, a dart throw on one of those two, I don't mind it. But Fryer Muth is startable because he's a tight end, and Najee Harris, you paid so much for, you don't want to have to bench, but. Just another week where it looks like you probably could have found another option out there to play instead of them. So nothing really changes with this Pittsburgh offense for me going into this next week. It's just still just a bunch of just nothingness. And you're just hoping like Pickens gets into the end zone and, and, and has a decent you know fantasy performance. But if no one were to get in the end zone on this Pittsburgh team, then they're all most likely going to have dud weeks. Yeah, I think there might be an opportunity here to buy low on Najee and maybe a redraft situation after next week or maybe before this week because they play at Philly and then they have a buy. So these next two weeks, not going to be great for Najee. But after that, the schedule lightens up a little bit. Has uh, the Saints at home, which is all of a sudden a terrific matchup. Uh, the Bengals at home, their run defense has been worse over the past few weeks. Plays uh, at Indy, at Atlanta. Uh, a couple easier matchups here, I think. Once those come around, his touchdown opportunity should increase slightly, and then you'll see him you know, having these games where he gets 25 touches and 80 yards but a score, and he'll look a lot better that way. But um, yeah. might be a, a bottom basement value play there on Najee Harris. Uh, and then Miami is the uh, kind of disappointing side of this. I'd say Pittsburgh was somewhat expected based on what we've seen so far this year. And, uh, Miami was the one that came out looking really good. Tua looked healthy. And I don't. I'm not saying he didn't look healthy in the second half. Just kind of out of rhythm, and then the, the Steelers just didn't put any scoreboard pressure on him. So uh, the offense got a little conservative towards the end there. I think uh, I'm not really that worried about these options though. This is to his first week back after a few weeks off. Hill and Waddle are must starts, and then Mostert just kind of is what he is. Another back end RB two, sort of in that Brian Robinson mold, maybe slightly ahead of him, just because uh, the offense is better, but. I don't think, again, my opinion changed on many people here on the Dolphins' offense, too, uh, uh, as also a low-end starter. Yeah, I think Mostert got a little bit of a bump up just because they do have a pretty good next couple of weeks. So if you need someone um, at running back, he may be someone you can look to trade for that's not going to cost you too much. But um, besides that, yeah, Hill and Waddle maintained, and two is a low-end starter, like you said. So not too much of a, of a change there for Miami. Good call, Cody. They play at Detroit, at Chicago, at home to Cleveland to buy, and then home to Houston. Oh, my goodness. That is a very good next four or five weeks for Raheem Mostert there. That is a lot of uh, juicy matchups on the running back end of things. Um, would you or, uh, would you go Tua to or Brady rest of year, Cody? I, I asked myself that question earlier, and I, I don't know how to answer it. Uh, yeah, that's, that's actually – I mean, they're both kind of right there. Um, I think I'm just going to slightly lean Tua. And the reason is I think he can be a worse quarterback and still maintain a better fantasy performance just because both Hill and Waddle have the ability to take screens to the house, whereas with Brady – if he kind of, if his arm kind of starts to fall apart like uh, Peyton's did his final year, then he may not be able to push the ball downfield as well to like Mike Evans or something like that. So I guess I would lean Tua just because I think that the team around him makes his job a little bit easier. But 
I think they're right there. If I was ranking them, I'd imagine they'd be, you know, right next to each other. And I think I would probably slightly lean Brady, just hoping that insane pass volume he has continues and his efficiency increases, especially in the red zone moving forward. I think he has a little bit of a higher ceiling than Tua, but I think you're definitely right that Tua has a higher floor. Uh, This offense just creates more uh, yardage than the Tampa Bay offense, it seems like. Brady's just kind of having to be perfect all the way down the field with six-yard pass, five-yard pass, four-yard pass, and then yep. you know one or two of them goes wrong, and he's in a third and long. Then it's just hard for him right now. But hoping the uh, the the touchdown rate comes up in the second half of the year for Brady. And our last game here, my maybe the most surprising game of the week, all told, uh, from what we expected coming in. Chicago wins thirty-three to fourteen on the road against New England. Incredibly impressive showing from their offense in this one. I think they might have found a little bit of an identity with this rushing offense. Um, 243 yards on the road here. All of the you know the options getting into the act here. Montgomery, 62 yards in a score. Herbert had uh, 62 yards as well. Fields has 170 rush yards his last two games, 82 in this one. So um, if they can continue to run the ball like that, all these guys might be usable options. And, you know, this was probably a matchup we would have expected them to really struggle, especially on the ground. And uh, they, they showed out pretty well. So I was pretty impressed with, uh, with Chicago. Maybe uh, more consideration to these guys moving forward. Yeah, and they maintained their um... – what was their quote from last week? It was going to be a hot hand approach, I believe is what they said, and they kind of um, held true to that. So um, we did see that Montgomery-Herbert split. So if if the person who had picked up Herbert ended up dropping him in your league, um, he's definitely someone who's worth an add as a handcuff piece, but now he may, may actually be fantasy relevant on a uh, week-to-week basis, even with Montgomery being there. Yeah, I think so as well. There's a chance, especially heading into buys, and again, with all of these running back injuries we're experiencing, he's a guy that could find his way into your lineup for a couple weeks moving forward, and then again, always has the potential to fully break out if Montgomery misses time, because we saw how high his ceiling was when uh, when Montgomery was out for a game or two earlier in the year. On the uh, Patriots side, um, Ramondre Stevenson looks like he could be the lead back moving forward. Uh, Sort of a weird usage here with Damian Harris. I think he only ended up with three touches in this one, but got two of them right away. Uh, I saw a few people speculating that they may have just been showing off that he is healthy and in in hopes of a potential trade this week. Again, maybe uh, trying to attack this running back market after what they saw uh, the Panthers get for Christian McCaffrey. But if Damian Harris is moved, then Ramondre becomes uh, you know basically a low-end RB1 the rest of the year, and my sell high on him would be dead wrong. But we'll see what happens with Damian Harris. I think that'll have a large portion to do with his value moving forward. Uh, but he was fine today. Saved his bacon with, uh, eight catches for 59 yards in this one. And then, uh, the pass catchers Myers was solid, but only two targets just kind of shows that he has a pretty low floor. Uh, but he did well with him 34 yards and a score. So he, uh, he, he saved you as well from a dud. Yep. And it looks like Bailey Zappi is probably going to be the Patriots quarterback moving forward. Um, Jones did not look did good. Not, yeah, Jones didn't look good. He was taken out. Didn't look like it was injury-related at all. So um, I don't think that Bailey Zappi is any really any different than Mac Jones from fantasy perspectives. Um, you're not really looking to start them in particularly in 
Myers is really the only pass catching option that you'd want. Now you did also mention Hunter Henry. It seemed to have a rapport with Bailey Zappi. I did not watch too much of the Monday Night Football game. Did did that maintain, or did he look? Hunter elsewhere? Henry ended up with one catch for uh, one catch for twelve yards on two targets. So I'm going to go with no. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, he's still a tight end. So he's a tight end. That's, yeah. I'm, I'm not yeah, throwing him off the match for that game, but um, yeah, I mean, he's yeah. Hunter Henry. That's the sort of week that you have to expect uh, when you throw him in your lineup. It it can always happen. Yeah, for sure. No, I was hoping he would have like five for six for like forty-five yards and <laughs> just like <laughs> lock and locked and loaded. Yeah, it would have been nice Bailey to see Zappi. a few more targets for him. Uh, yeah, with that narrative, but unfortunately, Zappy yeah. went uh, another way. Uh, Stevenson really was the guy that was targeted. Eight of twenty-eight total throws in this one, so not much left over for the yep. receiving options. Yep, for sure. But that's all right. I think New England, uh, the receiving options don't aren't uh, very high ceiling anyway. So I think that you know, nothing changes there. I think Myers going into next week is the only guy that I'm excited about even potentially playing. So, um, But, yeah, 100%. Nick, week seven in the books. Uh, I know, obviously, we – or, yeah, week seven in the books. We both kind of had a rough week seven fantasy-wise. But um, hopefully we can get some good waiver wire additions, maybe make some trades this week, and then uh, – regroup and start making some playoff pushes yep really need chris godwin and tom brady to turn things around for me have uh too much investment in both of those players and i'm choosing to just focus on our best bet segment which uh went six and oh this week very impressive cody both of us uh on a pretty good streak right now in the last few weeks we've been really giving some good good bets out there so let's keep up the good work yeah, absolutely. I did not realize we went six and zero. I know. I knew you. You were two and zero on the. Um, oh, it was the Giants and Jaguars under. Yeah, under that one I got a little lucky on. Uh, that probably should have gone over because they had a decent amount of points basically right off the bat, and then sort of just slowly bled uh, bled the clock out after that for me, but. The other two I felt really good about. Dallas ended up taking over the game against Detroit, thought their defense would dominate them in that one, and they did. And then uh, the over on Vegas and Houston cleared in the third quarter. I felt good about that one, too. Yeah, absolutely. So you're 1, 2, 3, 4. 15 and 6 on the year, Cody. Yeah, 15 and 6. Oof. That's pretty That's pretty. Pretty hot to start the year, especially after going 0-3 in week 1. So we are 15 and 3 since week 2, Cody. Not a bad run for us. Yeah, not bad at all. Good stuff. I've been a little <laughs> bit more inconsistent, but we I turned it around this past week going 3 and 0. So back that's, to five. that's good. Back to, to see. above 500. So we're both on the up Exactly. Right For sure. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that's that's good. I I think uh hopefully our fantasy football luck starts bleeding into the best or that the best be nice. bets luck starts I, bleeding into the fantasy football side. We'll get things, no complaints but, from me, Cody. For sure. Well, we will we'll be back at it tomorrow, talking about Thursday night football, getting ready for week eight. But besides that, if you got any waiver wire addition pickups, questions, anything like that, feel free to DM either of us. We'd be happy to help you out. Hundred percent. Yeah, guys, please uh, give us some uh, reviews. Any sort of questions, we would love to do a Q and A episode at some point. Yep. For sure. Peace out, everybody. See ya.